Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Talks with Cheese. I'm your host Cheese, aka Adrian, and my guest here with me is Tanner Shepard. Tanner, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Cheese. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. So, Tanner here, um, we met through some good mutual friends like Jared Littlejohn, Ben Shriver, Alec Craig, and shout out to Ben Shriver actually for setting this up because you reached out to him about you wanting to be on the pod. Is that right, Tanner? Hey, that's correct. Yeah. I just love what you're doing. It's awesome. And uh, I'm happy to be on here to talk about some stuff. Yeah. Thank you, man. I seriously appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Seriously, th- thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here because uh, I know we're going to get into it a little bit later. But yeah, Tanner here, he used to be a two-sport athlete playing basketball and golf, right? Yep, basketball and golf. At Bethel University, or is it, or was it called Bethel College? It was Bethel College, and now they changed it and upped it, so I probably lost my uh, I probably lost my diploma uh, since it's Bethel University now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of confusing, huh? Yeah, very confusing. So, yeah, like I said, uh, he was a two-sport athlete at Bethel for basketball and golf, and now he's coaching basketball. So, um, Tanner, I want to kind of go back backwards and then talk about your early days. Mm-hmm. So, Tanner... Uh, where were you born and where were you raised at? So I was actually born in South Bend, uh, Indiana, born two months early. So I think uh, it was back in 95. So I want to say maybe the technology was a little bit better up there, uh, for someone being born that early. So that's where I was born, born and raised around here. Um, I lived actually, uh, Atwood, Indiana is where I lived. My dad had a house in Warsaw as well. Mom lived in Atwood. Uh, grew up, yeah, just grew up in the area. So, I mean... Uh, I'm not trying to be personal, but is your, did you grow with divorced parents? Yeah, so my, my parents were actually never married. Uh, from I think they were already split up by the time I was a year old. Uh, so you know, I've I've just always lived with them apart. No big deal. Uh, it it was fine growing up. At least you grew up into it, and I can relate because I have divorced parents as well. But look, at you you already like were used to it. Right. Yeah. I didn't know any different. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, shout out to my parents, uh, always supportive of me. Um, just anything I needed, they were, they were able to provide it. Uh, so I just can't thank them enough for that. And they were like, uh, cool with cold parenting, right? No big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Yep. Got along. Everything was good. So I knew you went to Valley at first, then went to Triton. So when did you exactly transfer from Valley to Triton? And, uh, and I want to know why. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I grew up my whole life. I went to Mentone, uh, obviously went to the middle school, and then going into my sophomore year, transferred. Uh, you, you know, I get that question a lot. It's a hard, it's hard to answer why. Uh, there was it was just kind of one of those things, which is surprising. I was 15, 16 years old, and just kind of did it. Is one of those things where it's just like let's take the chance. Uh, you know, some people might not know. I knew a lot of people from Triton. Uh, my mom went to Triton growing up. She was familiar with that area. Have a long list of family members that uh, grew up in the Etna Green, Bourbon, Tippecanoe area. So it, it was an easy transition. I knew I probably had 10 to 15 friends already at Triton. So it's not like I was just transferring there, didn't know anybody. Uh, my, I had a girlfriend at the time. I think we were probably together eight, nine, 10 months at that time, at that point. So, you know, that I mean, that played another role in it. 
And then, like I said, back to my family, uh, one of my cousins, Lori Feldman, actually won. She went to Triton, won Miss Basketball, and then went up to and played at Michigan. So, you know, had the family ties. My cousin Amber hit a game winner uh, at the state finals in 2000. And then 2001, they repeated again. She was on the team. Yeah, and uh, speaking of that, during that era when the girls would win state at Triton, Jen Backus was on that team. And then, as you know, she's an athletic trainer. Uh, once again, shout out to her because I had her on the podcast. Yep, I did listen to that one. Yeah, shout out to Jen. Yeah, she knows most of my family just from the bourbon ties, right? Small world, right? Small world, very small world. So, I mean, so did you, I get why you transferred because you had like a lot of family ties. You knew like, you know, you were familiar with the school, but did you really also transfer because of a playing standpoint or can you go more into depth about that? Yeah, uh, I mean, so I was fortunate enough my freshman year at Valley to uh, start as a, like I said, a freshman, me and Tanner Andrews. So I, I believe, I want to say coach Patrick bill, uh, I believe only maybe one or two other freshmen had ever started for him in his what, 20, 30 years of coaching at that point. So, I mean, I don't know necessarily. I mean, it was a good experience. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about coach Patrick. I still love coach Patrick to this day, him and Chad. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You, you do look at the big picture, right? I was, I was a, Obviously, sports fanatic loved sports. So, um, going to Triton, I knew they had a run. They had a little run going there where they had been in the state finals, I want to say two or three in the last four years. And then um, we'll get into a little bit probably later, but um, we made it to state my junior year, and that was four out of six years. Golf team was really good, made it to state uh, whenever I was a freshman still at Valley. And I actually went down and watched Quentin Carpenter, who's one of my good buddies. I went down. His dad was a head coach. So I went down. That was one of the other ties to Triton that I knew those guys. And, you know, just to see those guys succeed like that, I envied that. I wanted that real bad for myself. Not that that wasn't going to happen at Valley. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it all worked out. It all worked out. Yeah, I was going to say, it just seemed like it worked out, right? And then uh, you kind of answered my next question a little bit, but I want, like I said, I want you to go into more into debt. So what was, you know, some accomplishments you made at Triton, right? And then what position did you actually play? Because, like, you know, I never really, you know, watched you play. Because, like I said earlier, we knew from each other, from mutual friends, because I kept hearing from Jared or from Alec or from Ben, Tannen Shepard, Tannen Shepard. I'm like, who the heck, who the heck is that? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, I played guard. Uh, I was a guard, two guard, three guard. Um, you know, growing up actually, I'm six, two, six, one. Now, uh, I've been this tall since sixth grade. So it almost was a disadvantage to me not working on ball handling as much as I should have, because when I got to that next level of high school, I wasn't really prepared to take care of the ball. Like I should have been. Um, and you know, coach Patrick explained it the best freshman year. Uh, you know, it, whenever you're playing seniors as a freshman, it's almost like if you're in fifth grade, you're playing against eighth graders. So it was just totally different. Um, but yeah, going back to some of the accomplishments at Triton, um, you know, to start off, one of the funny things is me and Clay Yo, my, one of my best friends, a tremendous athlete, great basketball player. Uh, we talk about the Northwood game, my junior year, his senior year. We actually lost that game, but that's one of the memories that we always go back and touch on. You know, just the team camaraderie we had my junior year, we were super close as a team. And uh, Northwood in the locker room, the ceilings were concrete and they were pretty low. So we were trying to bang the ball off the ground, hit the ceiling, and see if we could get it to like kind of boomerang. I don't think we ever got it, but it was just kind of like that. And Clay would just fought. We'd all be sitting down. He'd be up in front of us. He'd just be firing passes at us. So I mean, you, he's trying to get us ready, keep us awake. But uh, just different things like that. And like I said, you know, competing for two state finals in three months. My junior year, went to state and golf. Uh, 
people might not know. Yeah, it was, I mean, looking back, I hope that I really didn't take it for granted. I don't think I did, but looking back, I'm super grateful for that. Uh, I mean, yeah, playing for a state finals for basketball in March, and then three months later, going down to India again to play for golf. Was that exhausting during that time, but was it just fun at the same time? Yeah, it was so fun. I mean, I'm 16, 17 years old, you know, you're just, you're never tired at that age. Um, but yeah, looking back, just amazing experience. You know, I scored, thankfully, uh, I scored a thousand points. Uh, very thankful for that. You know, people kind of look at that as an individual goal. And I was thinking about it more tonight. You know, it, it kind of is a team accomplishment too. Um, because those teammates have to get you open, get you the ball, trust you to take shots, different things like that. So it's not only a personal goal, uh, but or a personal accomplishment, but also a team accomplishment as well. And then one more cool thing uh, was I won my senior year in 2014. I won male athlete of the year. 20 years before that, 94, my mom won female athlete of the year. So that was pretty cool family ties for us. Yeah, family and genes, huh? And then my brother and I, I'm pretty sure my brother and sister uh, just won it too. Don't quote me on that, but I think one of them might have won it as well. And you got to love your family and genes, huh? Good genes, man. I'll take it. <laughs> so you said you went to stay back junior year and senior year? So we went, uh, it was junior year. I went in golf. And basketball, same year. Okay. So, and then for golf, uh, it's no class. So we're going against, like, our regional has, like, Dwanger, Homestead, all these big-time schools that we're going against. Like, the best of the best, no matter yeah, where we're this you little, are. we're this little 1A school. Two years before me, I think the graduating class had, like, 50 kids. So, I mean, I had 100. I think the grade above me had like 90 maybe. So, I mean, we won't have very many kids to choose from, right? And for us to like the coach Carpenter, Jack, a great guy, great coach, still talk to him this day. Uh, he just done a great job of building up that program. Used to take the golf team, another memory, uh, on a golf trip to Hilton Head. Uh, take all the kids out there on the golf team. You play golf all week. Uh, just So, he just really built up that program uh, really well. So, like, uh, were you close at winning – winning any of those like you know were you close to winning like that state championship game in basketball or in golf yeah so golf uh not as much uh we so there's 15 teams we beat warsaw they so one of the golfers from warsaw and regionals so it goes sectional regional then state instead of semi there's no semi-state yeah in golf and uh one of the golfers eagled the last hole to beat us by one so we got them at state though we, we got 14th they got 15th so some of the talent that was uh at the state finals for golf was really good the, in the second day the top three teams all broke the 18 hole scoring record so they so they all broke it in top three not just one team all three of them broke it crazy competition huh and once yeah. you keep you know advancing advancing in the tournament right yeah exactly and to go back to basketball too thinking about junior year when we made that run uh our sectional championship was against marquette catholic they had i want to say i'll have to text one of my buddies and went there i think they had six guys play college basketball at some level one guy at least d1 other ones played different levels and then we go into the morning game in regional uh we played fort wayne canterbury I want to say four or five of their guys played college basketball as well. So we're, uh, one of the guys walked on at Wake Forest and ACC. Wow. And then that night we played Pioneer. One of their kids went over to uh, – played at Washington State in the, in the Pac-12. So, I mean, we were playing, I mean, really, really good talent. It's not like one is just a cakewalk. Yeah. And, then, yeah, like you said, we're just talking about freaking Triton. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. I mean, wow. we just – we were big, but we didn't want to lose. Uh, I think that was one of the biggest things, and we would do whatever it took to win. We didn't want to lose at all. So uh, we had really good leadership from our seniors uh, who had been there, right, with all that uh, success going on, and they passed it down to us, and uh, we really took it to heart. So how did you make any, like, 
good runs your senior year since like it's crazy how you were just talking about all junior year it's crazy right. yeah uh senior year uh was a little bit rough uh we didn't get the best draw uh we drew culver academy who actually one of or sorry culver community one of their guys uh top guys was trent elliott um who actually played au with and we had just been torching in the last three two years before that so they really had it out for us um i'll take the blame and uh, credit for us losing that game. I didn't play well at all. Uh, lost first round of sectionals, but you know we had a, had a we had a good run. Uh, one of the turning points actually in our season that kind of hurt us. Uh, there was this tournament called the Bi County Tournament. Kind of all the area teams like Triton, uh, New Prairie, Culver Community, Laville. I think there's like seven or eight teams in that, and. We got a. We made it to the championship. We lost like four or five in a row, and then we rattled off a few in a row. Started playing really well, finding our groove together as a team. Just because I mean, we had played a couple sophomores, uh, one or two juniors, and then I think I was the only, maybe the only senior that started. Maybe one more, um, but we made it to the championship of the Bi County after torching this one team by thirty that beat us earlier in the year, and uh, it got canceled because of snow. So then now we're out here. Uh, we have another four or five, maybe a week off until we play another game. And it just kind of took us back out of our groove. Couldn't really find it here and there. We'd, we'd, we'd get it back, but yeah, just kind of, kind of one of those seasons. Just because like you weren't active, you guys weren't active enough. You guys weren't being productive and yeah. Yeah. I mean, just it, basketball is a crazy game. Um, it just ebbs and flows. There's so many highs and lows of the season. I know we'll get into college, but, uh, one, one of my assistants, um, back in college said you can't get too high on the wins and you can't get too low on the losses. And that's so true. You got to stay level headed because you could win a game on a Tuesday night. It doesn't mean anything going to the next game. You got to just have that carryover and that uh, hunger to win again. So you can't get way ahead ahead of yourself basically. Yep. And that, I mean, that's kind of like life too. You know, you can't get too, you're going to have bad days. You can't let it affect the next day. You just got to go and attack the day again. Uh, well said Tanner. So uh, my next question is uh, how is uh, the recruiting process for you, because you were such a, you know, from what you just said, you know, you had spectacular seasons in both golf and basketball. Yeah, so I have a, actually, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I have a very interesting story of Bethel. Um, so I was, it, it would have been my senior year after basketball season, I get this call uh, and I didn't answer it, random number, and I get a text, hey, it's Coach Daniel from Bethel assistant basketball coach give me a call so I call him he actually coached my good buddy Clay like I mentioned him earlier in AAU um so we I was supposed to set up a time to go up to Bethel you know take a visit with him and I totally just blew him off I blew him off (laughs) and so I really didn't pursue it you know I thought basketball uh, college basketball is out of the uh, equation at that point why was that I you know so it was golf season at the time and whatever season I kind of get into, I, f- I forget about the other one. You're dialed in. I'm dialed time. in, yeah. <laughs> and so one of the kids, uh, the family Kennedys that went to Triton, their dad was actually the golf coach at Bethel at the time. So I knew him from that. Um, Once again, it's a small world. Small world. So, you know, I talked to him. You know, I was like, I think I'd be interested in uh, playing golf at Bethel. Uh couldn't could offer me some money, but didn't couldn't get like a full scholarship or anything like that. Wait, so what is Beth at this point? Like a D one or yeah, D- D- N- NAI. Yep, they're NAI D two. Yep, 
Um, so they actually just combine. So NAI is D1, D2. Okay. Uh, for the national tournament for basketball, they just combine uh, D1 and D2. So it's a little bit different from when I played, but still the same. But yeah, going back to uh, the Bethel, I, I didn't even take a visit on campus, which is hilarious that I even went there. Didn't take a, didn't take a visit. So Nick Kendig, my other best friend grown up, uh, still to this day, he, shout uh, out to him, right? shout out Nick, shout out Nick, man. Uh, so he was at Bethel playing tennis and playing JV basketball. So Bethel has JV and varsity. And, uh, he went, he was going there. So that was another reason they accepted me. Uh, I didn't really apply to too many schools. Bethel was like probably one of three that I even applied to. Uh, maybe one or two, they accepted me. And I think I called Nick just during the summer. I'm like, well, I guess I'm coming to Bethel. Uh, so I get to Bethel, and I'll get into a little bit of my story here. Uh, get to Bethel, playing golf. Um, it's about two weeks before we get on campus. Clay Yo calls me. He's at Valparaiso University playing basketball. He calls me, hey, I'm coming to Bethel. I'm like, what? So I'm going to have both my best friends there with me. Is this the summer going to freshman year? Yeah, this is my summer okay. going to my freshman year. So Clay was at Valpo for a year. Um, so he calls me. Tell I'm actually on the way to the golf course. And I'm like, are you kidding me? There's no way. He's like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be incredible. So I get on campus. Um, actually, sorry, I'll backtrack a little bit again. Coach Lightfoot, Mike, the head coach at the time, he coached until my uh, senior year. Then he retired and his son took over. But anyway, he text, I get a text, I'm golfing again because I'm trying to get ready for my first year of golf in college, right? Uh, so wait, did you – sorry to interrupt, but did you – went to Bethel, did they reach out to you for golf first and then basketball? It was more so me just reaching out to Coach Kennedy and saying, hey, is there a roster spot? Like, is there any way I can play since I'm coming? And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, got a spot. Because, I mean – in I think we had probably nine guys, nine, ten guys at the time. Um, so, I mean, it worked out. They didn't have a ton of guys. But, yeah, so Coach Lightfoot texts me. I'm on the golf course golfing um, with my dad. And uh, he texts me, hey, Tanner, this is Coach Lightfoot. I hear you're coming to Bethel. Um, you need to play basketball. And I'm like, well, would I be JV or varsity? Not knowing. I was so dumb and naive at the time how good that level of basketball is. Um, especially in the in the Crossroads League, which is the conference that Bethel's in, arguably the best conference in the country year in and year out. Um, so he texted me. I said, like I said, JV or varsity, and he said, well, that'll be up to you. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess wow. I'm going to play JV. Because, uh, I mean, they'd play here and there. Uh, wouldn't play probably one or, one or two games a week, not a ton. So I'm like, it'll get, keep me in shape. Uh, I'm Basketball's always my first love. Um, so I'm like, sure, I'll do it. And then, so I get there, got golf going on, basketball season rolls around. Uh, we've got JV practices going on. I th- Wait, so sorry to interrupt. In college, in the college level, because I don't know this, obviously, mm-hmm. is golf during the fall season when it comes to college? Yeah, so it's actually fall and spring. Okay. Fall and spring compared to just spring like it is in high school. So that was a little bit of an adjustment. Um, so basketball season rolls around, and a couple guys – I want to say maybe four or five guys on the varsity team get suspended for some stuff. And thankfully clay was on the varsity at the time, kind of threw it in the coach's ears. Hey, Nick and Tanner would love to practice. You know, I just want me and Nick actually did the stats for the games. We were the stat guys prior to that, right? Yeah. Prior to that. So we were doing stats for the, wow. for their games. And I'm like, man, I just want to be a part of that. I mean, so I thought I was done with basketball. I was going to play JV here and there. And then all of a sudden, it's just like I fall. Basketball, like I said, basketball season rolls around, fall in love again. 
uh, golf season's over with. And so they brought us over, gave us a white and blue reversible. We had to wear our own shorts, didn't get practice gear or anything. So I'm just happy to be a part of it. I'm like, I'm going to get everything I can out of this. I'm going to work my tail off and maybe, you know what, something will come out of this. So freshman year goes along, practice with them the whole year to start traveling the games, done doing stats, sitting on the bench. And uh, we used to call ourselves the bench, bench mob or bench squad, something like that. Gray squad actually was uh, the following year. Sorry. Uh, so where people used to come up to me and Nick and say, man, I love watching you guys on the bench. Um, sometimes I watch you guys more celebrating and cheering your teammates on than I do the game. So we just took full advantage of it. Didn't expect anything to come out of it. Um, then rolling to sophomore year, still golfing. Um, and then by that point, uh, we've got conditioning going on for basketball. So I'm doing basketball conditioning from three 30 to four 30, maybe five some days. And then I'm showering, going to the golf course, playing by myself. So I'm super busy at this point. And you got school on top of that too. Yeah, we got school. Yeah. I got school on top of that. But anyway, back to my story at Bethel, get a Jersey, get a practice Jersey. I get my own game Jersey, man. I'm ecstatic. I'm like, I don't care if I play, but I'm still just going to work as hard as I could. Um, so long story short, played a little bit. We'd be up 30. I, we'd get in at the end of the game, right? I'd get in. I didn't care. I played my tail off those last two minutes, one minute. I, I want to show the coaches, I don't care if we're up 30 or if we're down 30, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to play my, my tail off. Cause I'm sure I want to show them that, Hey, I can do this. So then junior year rolls around, uh, start getting some minutes, you know, maybe playing some games, depending on situational matchups, whatever, playing 15, 20 minutes, you know, sometimes five. I didn't care. Uh, when my name was called, I was ready, right? Because i just preparing every day, lifting, getting stronger. Um, so playing. And then senior year rolls around, I become a starter. Um, and I led us in minutes by 100, actually, my senior year. So pretty crazy story to think back and look on. I think, you know, people always look for their identity. And I think I really found my identity early on in my college career college career of not only golf but basketball just i'm gonna give it everything i got well like from what you just explained tanner it just sounds like kind of like the story of rudy kind of like that mentality you know he just didn't give up didn't give up until he finally got his chance without that hard work so from freshman year to uh senior year right how did he manage to have such a positive positive attitude because it could have been because you could have thought the opposite and just gave up and quit like uh, other student athletes have done in the past. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. You know, um, I just, I just wanted to be a part of it. Um, I was happy to be a part of the team, but, but then it kind of switched into, okay, I'm a part of this. Now let's make it bigger. Let's actually get minutes. Let's play. Um, So, you know, I just never stopped working. I wasn't, I didn't have a day where I didn't work hard. You know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't just going to give up uh, like, yeah, like you kind of said the Rudy thing. Um, I, yeah, that's kind of a good way to, good uh, way to look at it. Uh, just constantly working. Um, I, I just knew that I deserved to play, uh, at that level. Uh, maybe I didn't think that at first, maybe I was kind of telling myself that, but fully didn't believe it. And then once I got really in that groove as I, the years, uh, sophomore year, junior year, I'm like, man, I can do this. I can really do this. Okay. Tanner, can you repeat what you said about what happened when senior year? Cause my headphone jack was like just messing up. About you led the team in minutes. Yeah, yeah. So my senior year, um, got a starting spot. 
And then I'd let us in minutes by a hundred, which I mean, that was pretty crazy for me coming from this guy who didn't have even have a Jersey uh, practice Jersey, didn't have a game Jersey, just traveled, was happy to be there to this guy who's putting in uh, substantial minutes in games, um, contributing to the team in a big way. You know, my biggest thing always was if I'm not scoring, not that I needed to be a big scorer for us, right? Because I, ha- I played with All-Americans, had some All-Americans on the team, you know, give them the ball. But if my if I needed to go and score, you know, I'd, I'd do my best. But how? what can I do out there to not get taken out? Uh, whether that's my talk, I always try to keep my talk up. Um, playing hard, I want to do the little things, right? You know, I wanted to be that guy where it's like, you can't take me out because I'm providing so much value other than scoring. Yeah, um, so kind of like what we talked about the NBA, uh, kind of like you were playing the Jose Alvarado type of role, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just, uh, yeah, outworking everybody. You know, I didn't want to be outworked. Um, I wasn't the fastest, most athletic guy out there um, by a long shot. Uh, I can maybe jump halfway up the net. Um, but, yeah, I just didn't want to get outworked, and I just want to do those little things that uh, every team needs. I, I kind of wanted to be that glue guy for us. So were you the same – were you still a guard uh, transition from high school to college? Yeah, so – I really had to, so in high school, didn't really have to take care of the ball too much. Um, point guard would do that, or even even though Clay was 6'6", he was pretty much our point guard too. He was our go-to guy. Uh, he almost, shout out to Clay, he almost scored 2,000 points in high school. So that dude scored a lot of points. Great player. Um, then getting into college, um, you know, you you have to be able to take care of the ball. It doesn't matter if you're the one, two, or three. You know, you get a rebound, you get an outlet pass from the big, you got to be able to take care of it and – I mean, I wouldn't be able to play if if the coach didn't trust me with the ball out there. Mm-hmm. So there's a big transition from like high school basketball to college. Can you go more in depth about that difference from your perspective? Yeah. So I got a I got a funny story. Um, I didn't really li- we had weights class in high school, um, but I I didn't take it too serious. And looking back, um, I wish I would have. So all the kids, if you listen to this, lift hard in in uh, high school. <laughs> um, but so it's freshman year. Uh, practicing with the varsity team in college at Bethel. And one of my good buddies, Matt Schaus, was a senior, great player, All-American Conference Player of the Year. Uh, I was guarding him. And he throws his shoulder. He does like this little move where it's like as you're dribbling, you kinda, you're kind of you driving on the guy, you take a like kind of like a pound dribble and you throw your shoulder into the guy, try and knock him off balance. But it's, you don't want to – it's not going to be a charge, right? Um, and I went flying back. I flew out of bounds just because he was so much stronger than me, and I was so embarrassed. I'm like, this is never going to happen again. And I always credit him. I'm like, you're the reason I started lifting. So, yeah, and it was just a lot faster. Dudes are more athletic. So I got to learn ways to uh, score the ball and defend. Because um, in high school, you know, six one's pretty good height. Um, so I was still able to score and then I get to that level. Okay. I'm going up against six, nine, six, ten athletic dudes. How can I score? So my jump shot really changed. It was pretty flat, uh, in high school, I'd say. And then I got to college and I started mooning that thing just cause I mean, you got to get it over these really tall athletic guys closing out on you and it's just so much faster. Um, so yeah, I mean, just learning the pace of the game, learning where you can fit in, uh, and learning, uh, how you can provide to the team. Yeah, it just seems like there's like you gotta be dialed in the whole time, and there's just no absolute like absolutely no uh, horse jacking around, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you constantly gotta be locked in. I mean, at that next level, uh, yeah, you're there for a reason. 
Uh, you want to take it serious. Uh, you know, some guys on the team maybe are trying to play overseas. Um, so yeah, it's a constant grind. I mean, and you know, you hold each other accountable. You're at that next level to where, you know, we're here to get crap done and we're here to win. So you got guys, if you're slacking off, maybe having a bad day, you got people on you, coaches are on you, right? I mean, their careers on the line, they want to win games. You want to win games. Um, so yeah, it's just crazy how it's just a different type of perspective type of different scenarios from high school to college and we're not even talking about like nba type of scenarios yeah no man those nba guys i don't i don't think at least me i don't think the general public understands how good those guys are uh those nba guys they're freaks i mean like a lot of parents like they have kids in like middle school and stuff even high school you know they think their kids really good they could be good but they're just not you're not going to make it probably make it to the NBA. Those guys are freakishly athletic. They're all huge. The point guards that are undersized, like I would be a undersized point guard. I'm six two in the NBA, right? I mean, you have guys like Kevin Durant, for instance, he's probably seven foot. He, I think he's listed six eleven. He he can shoot it from forty feet. He can handle it. And then you got Steph Curry, obviously generational talent. No one's probably he's probably the best shooter ever. Uh, so, I mean, those guys are just crazy good. Even, you know, playing uh, Notre Dame, those guys were just way more athletic. They play above the rim. I play way below the rim. So it's just, I mean, that's where the outworking and you have to do as much as you can to keep them off the boards and away from the rim as hard as it is. That's crazy. It really is crazy just hearing from your standpoint because obviously I never played basketball really. But like I said, I'm, I'm a fan though. And so it's fun to learn about this stuff. But that leads me to the next question of the story you were talking about. So how was it playing a Notre Dame team in which at the time they were ranked number 14, right? And it was during preseason. And just, yeah, talk more about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, what a dream uh, for me growing up 45 minutes away from Notre Dame and uh, going to games a lot as a kid, uh, you know, loving to go to those games and just, man, would love to be able to play on that floor someday or my grandparents, huge IU fans, being able to play on against IU's. Um, but, yeah, it, it was crazy. Um, you know, before I get into the game, LaFonso Ellis, I don't know if you know who that is, he played at Notre Dame. He was the number three or four draft pick back in early 90s. He actually was on our coaching staff my senior year. He, he wasn't able to come around all the time because he commentates on ESPN. Um, but he went to Notre Dame, had a great career there. So that helped get the game and it was a sold out, um, Purcell pavilion. So we play, it was eight, 9,000 people there coming from our little gym that probably holds 2000 maybe. And not even if it was a big game, a lot of people would come. Um, and you know, Notre Dame, the few years before that was coming off back to back elite eights back when Pat Connaughton was there, Jeremy Grant, uh, Demetrius Jackson, all those guys. Crazy alumni. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of hype around that team at the time. So it, it was just, it was a special moment. And, you know, a lot of people came up to me the day of the game asking, you nervous for the game tonight? And honestly, as weird as it sounds, I wasn't nervous just because this is once once in a lifetime opportunity to play against a Division One team like this, Notre Dame. Um, and I'm going to have 40 minutes to give it all I got out there and play against these guys. So it was very special and awesome to be a part of it. And that was your senior year, correct? That was my senior year, yep. Uh, they had uh, 
Matty Farrell, good, really good point guard, played on those Elite Eight teams. Uh, Bonzi Colson, Rex Fluger. So uh, I'm pretty sure Rex Fluger in the tournament tipped it in against Wisconsin in the Sweet 16. So, I mean, they had guys that had experience in these high-level games. So it was really cool being able to play against those guys. Um, could you, like, c- compare to, like, a regular uh, – how do you say NIA game? Compared to that, can you feel the intensity, the increased intensity going against those D1 guys? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just so much more. I mean, athletic. It was. It's. It's insane the difference. You know, I might be stronger than those guys. You know, a lot of our guys might be stronger. We walked in the door for practice the night before, and uh, one of their assistants goes, he's cussed, explicit, and then he goes, "Man, you guys are big." Um, but cause we lifted really hard. We were like, we were really strong. That's kind of what, where our bread and butter was on. You know, we wanted to be more physical than teams and you know, they didn't really push us around, but just so much more athletic, quick playing above the rim. Um, but yeah, it, it just great experience playing against those guys. Wow. Nice. Is there any other like cool experiences or any other accomplishments you like to say about college, uh, your time in Bethel playing college basketball before we move on to golf? Yeah, so uh, at Bethel, my my junior year, so it's kind of funny. My junior year high school team was the closest. Junior year college team was the closest. Um, for golf, definitely a different dynamic of guys um, going from uh, golfers to basketball players. Um, just on both teams, great guys. Um, so I didn't mention this earlier. I actually stopped playing golf going into spring season of my junior year. And in the fall season, speaking of accomplishments, I made it to nationals in golf. I, I, we had a regional qualifier in Illinois against a few other teams, and I won in a playoff to beat this kid to go down to Florida to play in the nationals. So that won a college golf tournament. Uh, I didn't mention it, but in high school, won a, won a golf tournament as well. Um, so I was able to do that. And then, you know, looking back, people probably think, you know, looking back, you're going to think about games and certain stuff like that, but it's more so just hanging out with the guys because it's always basketball, 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 right? You don't, when you get the time away, you cherish it just because it's constantly getting drilled into you. Um, so I got a few stories. Uh, the first one is one of our teammates. I forget why we were even chasing him, but one of our buddies, uh, had a van and he wasn't even on the basketball team, but we lived in the same dorm and we were chasing our buddy around campus in his van. We actually cut through campus. Sorry, Bethel in the grass, trying to just chase him down and get him. But, uh, that was one of the cool stories. And then the same kid, actually, we, uh, I, it was his sophomore year and he was going to bed early to, cause he had to get up like I don't know, seven o'clock for class. We changed all the clocks. His roommates knew his passcode. We changed all the clocks and on his phone too. set an alarm for like, it would have been, it said, I forget what it was. It was like three in the morning, but we changed the clocks to make it look like it was like six, seven in the, in the morning. And so he gets up, it's three in the morning. Alarm starts going off and, and uh, he starts walking to class middle of the night. And there was actually, he has no idea. (laughs) So that, that was one of the things just being dumb. Uh, one of our teammates put coach Lightfoot's Jeep on Craigslist. So we get to practice, uh, that afternoon and he's like, I keep getting all these calls about people wanting to buy my, (laughs) my Jeep. So yeah, one of the teammates put his Jeep on Craigslist. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just all the all those memories like that. We won 15 games in conference, which was 
uh, unheard of because it's so hard to win in the conference. So that's one thing to look back on. We got robbed in Florida, believe it or not. Oh, my God. So we were in Miami playing some games. Every Christmas we'd go down to Florida and we'd play games and we do this uh, deep sea fishing excursion. And uh, we we're out there on the boat. I think we're out there for two hours, something like that. Having a great time. All of a sudden there's like 15, 20 minutes left of, of the excursion. And one of our teammates is getting like a notice, like of his card having some charges on it. And he's like, well, my bag's in the van. So we're like, that's odd. So then I'm the first one back to like the a vi- credit card. Yeah. So I'm the first one back to the vans and uh, I think we had like three or four vans at the time. And I noticed our van was unlocked. I'm like, did we not lock this? And like, no, we did. All the bags were gone. Dude, shoes stolen, wallet stolen. Uh, so we had to go to like a Dick Sporting Goods and buy basketball shoes for the guys that like lost them. Stole my favorite pair of Steph Curry's. Nick lost a pair. Of, uh, I think he had Kyrie's. Uh, he got those stolen. So it was just crazy. Like we just kind of dealing with adversity, stuff like that. That'd be rough, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. And then uh, um, the stories you were talking about, well, first of all, going back to the prank stories, it seemed like that kid was easy to prank on, huh? Yeah, we, yeah, he was he was an easy target for us. It, it was all good and fun. Uh, I mean, like I said, we were all super close, so nobody really took anything personal. And it seems like uh, you guys were like the Noak boys off the court, huh? Yeah, me and Nick talk about it. Actually, talked about it today. We were saying how we should have vlogged back in the day. We miss our calling, man. All the stuff, uh, like our traveling. We we were just constantly goofing around with each other. Um, so, I mean, we would have got some really good content, funny content. Yeah. We, we had a lot of fun. It, we, we had a really good team. It just seems like, uh, people don't notice that, you know, you guys still have fun off the court as much as on the court. Would you agree, attest to that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of where, why we succeeded so much on the court. Uh, you know, we had this funny saying, our coach constantly would say love wins love wins and we used to joke about it and i mean he was right you know we loved each other off the court and it showed on the court we uh we truly cared for for one another and uh we we wanted to see everybody succeed that's awesome that's awesome so tanner i want to you know move on to college basketball i mean college golf Mm -hmm. excuse me so yeah tell me how was it more in depth and what were some fun memories you made or some accomplishments etc yeah, uh, I mean, you know, college golf's just hard in general. Uh, so yes, any, sir, it is. Any, yeah, anytime, I think a lot of people can attest to that. Uh, anytime you can play it at that next level, uh, it was a blessing. And it, it really, it taught me a lot. Not that high school golf and before that didn't, but you were you were really striving to uh, play well and you couldn't let one hole affect the next. And, you know, I mean, I did that a few times. But I, I think I got a lot better at it as I went on. You like controlling your emotions or what? Yeah, controlling your emotions, hitting a bad shot. Uh, I mean, you just gotta you gotta forget about it. It's like basketball. You miss a shot, you miss two shots, three shots, the next one's going in. It's just kind of had that mindset of the next play, next shot mentality. Can't worry about what happened before. You got to control now. So I, I think I I got a lot better with that as uh, my time went on and I got older, matured, obviously. And yeah, I mean, so when I won that golf tournament uh, in Illinois to go to nationals, me and the kid were neck and neck. Um, the first day, I, th- I think we were tied after the first day or he was one up. I was one up uh, second day coming down to the end. And then we ended up going into tie in, going to playoff. And I, my first tee shot, I hit it in the trees. 
I'm like, crap, he's in the middle of the fairway. I'm done. He was hitting a great, his iron play was great all day. So I'm like, I'm, I'm done. So I'm like, well, he just got to hit a good shot here. And I, I ran a little, uh, low four iron up to the green. He surprisingly hooked his off into the rough. So I'm like, all right, we have a chance. He chips it on to, I don't know, eight feet. I was just on the fringe, so I put it up to about four feet. He misses comebacker, and I up rolling mine in. So it's just like I said, next shot mentality. You can't worry. I can't worry about putting it in the trees, right? I got to be able to hit this next shot and focus on that. Nice. I mean, yeah, just yeah, golf is hard, but I couldn't imagine it at the uh, college level. Yeah. So I actually, uh, my I think it was my was that my junior year maybe or sophomore year. Um, can't remember one of those two years. We were playing at conference. And uh, this kind of speaks again to the next shot mentality. So the first day you play 36 holes, and then the next day you only play 18. Well, my very first round, I mean, I was playing pretty well in practice rounds and everything, and I shoot 84. So I'm like, crap. I mean, I played just terrible. So, you know, I think I had like a 30-minute break, get some food, and I'm just thinking the whole time, let's go back out there. We can turn this around. I go back out there, shoot even par. Uh, have a have a really good round, and then I come back the next day and shoot one under par. I think that was my only round under par in college. So you know, kind of that resiliency that I had, I really I think I showed myself a lot that day. That uh, you know, anything you put your mind to, you can do, uh, and just forget about the past and worry about the now. Well, yeah, and you were talking about your just your positive attitude back in basketball. It's just crazy how you know, no matter what's where you're playing, it's kind of. This is the same, you know, mental like mentally. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, I think golf uh, is way obviously more mental than anything uh, playing the sport because you can get in your head so easy with your oh, golf yeah. swing. Basketball, you know, I you can. I have. I thought that I had more control over my jump shot and th- I can control things out there a little bit better than the golf course because I mean you're out there with the wind different things like that, rain, whatever it is. So you don't necessarily have control of a ton. And then it's a lot of pressure on yourself to uh, to play well. So, yeah, it's just next shot mentality and uh, keeping that positive attitude. I love that. I love it. So, Tanner, um, talking a little bit outside of sports, so uh, what was your major going to Bethel? And just how did you manage, like, you know, your balance with golf, basketball, and school because, you know, most student-athletes are, are just so overwhelmed just with playing one sport alone. And then, I, you know, I've heard in the past or done, did some research saying, you know, some people, uh, some student-athletes quit because that respective sport takes too much of their time. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like school that much growing up. I, I just hated homework and all that stuff. Uh, college... You, you do you don't have seven classes a day like you do in high school and all that so that was a little bit better you know you but yeah time management was huge I learned that early on um, how to figure it out quick because like I said I had conditioning and then basketball or then golf and uh, so yeah just constantly busy with those things uh, yeah really taught me time management and uh, just couldn't couldn't let myself get behind you know there could there's some late nights studying. Uh, doing homework, different things like that. But yeah, and like you said, you know, people drop out. You know, my mindset was kind of different. It's back to the positivity. Um, I was just so grateful 
to uh, be able to play two sports at the next level. Some people don't even get the chance to play one, could dedicate their whole life to a sport and not even get to play at that next level. So it was more so I'm grateful for this opportunity. Let's not ruin it and screw it up. So in other words, you were pretty blessed, huh? I was very blessed, man. I, I was very blessed. I uh, had a lot of great coaches, teammates. And then those uh, bonds you made, whether it was from basketball or golf, those bonds would last a lifetime. Can you attest to that? I, yeah, for sure. You know, I still talk to most of my coaches to this day, uh, teammates. Uh, so it's actually kind of funny, life full circle type of deal here. My uh, coach Carpenter, my golf coach, he played basketball and golf at Bethel. And uh, he was coached by uh, Homer Drew, who – and then Mike Lightfoot was my coach. Mike was coached by Homer Drew. My basketball coach, Triton, Coach Groves, played for Mike Lightfoot so, at Bethel. So it's just kind of a full circle moment. Awesome. That's the, as I get older, it, everything does come full circle. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, Tanner, which sport in college did you truly enjoy playing better or what was more of your fit? You know uh, – Probably basketball. Um, I love golf. You know, I had a great experience playing golf at Bethel. But like I said, my my one true love, my very first love of sports was basketball. And just the team dynamic was different. Not that the guys weren't great on golf because they were, but it was just that bond that we had and for basketball together. You know, it's because you're together for from August to March, right? So you're spending so much more time together. You're going on these road trips. Um, and I'll go in a little depth on our, we, I did two mission trips, uh, to the DR whenever I was at Bethel. So just building those bonds with those guys, you're going to a country where you don't even speak the same language as all the people there. So you're relying on one another. And, uh, if you don't mind, I'll touch on the mission trip a little bit too. Go ahead, Yeah. Yeah. So we would host basketball camps, uh, for four days, uh, three or four days we were there and People would come any age. So, you know, flying over there for my first time, I'm thinking, all right, it's probably going to be like younger kids to maybe 18-year-old kids coming to these camps. You'd get kids that are five years old, and you'd get grown men that are 40 years old coming to these camps. And the one thing that really touched me was, you know, you go there to impact lives, impact these people through the game of basketball, but you come back way more impacted. Where was this at? Uh, In the Dominican Republic in a little town called Mocha, um, had a great host, host mom, Kina made us food every day, lunch and dinner. Um, but yeah, just you go there to impact and you know, they don't have much. We, we would see people living in homes that weren't even finished. Uh, some of them don't even have roofs. Uh, their windows aren't fill, filled in, don't have doors and they come to these camps and they're just happy to be there. There's just great people to be around. Uh, so it was pretty cool. It was hard. So going back to, I went going into my sophomore year and then my senior year and just seeing the kids, how they've grown up. Um, and they, they love basketball. Like the same kids. Yeah. The same kids. So you're seeing them two, they're two years older now. So really grown. Don't even recognize some of them just cause how big they've gotten. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I, I cried, you know, you cry when you get to leave because, because man, you you just get so impacted by these kids, and you kind of see what they're left behind uh, with, and you're going home to a house, uh, food, water, all this stuff that you know they don't have every day, and we probably almost take it for granted. Yeah, I was gonna ask that. Like, once you came back to the states with your team, um, did that really open up your perspective on life 
of how you know us people for the most part in the united states have it more easier and that you know it just seems like people complain about like little things that we shouldn't complain about yeah for sure uh, i mean it's just i think the conveniency of things for us here in the states just like you can just go to burger king and get dinner um now i mean them they might not have a meal for a day or two it just depends. Um, so yeah, it just really put into perspective how lucky we are. You know, you look at the bigger picture of things, playing sports, and it's like at the end of the day, it's just basketball or it's just golf. Not that you don't care about the sport and you don't want to, you want to succeed at the highest level. But at the end of the day, uh, life could be a lot worse. Um, you know, you see people coming to these camps in wheelchairs and they can't even get medical treatment on their legs and or whatever's wrong with them. So it just, it just really puts it in perspective of how lucky we have it. And I think that's, it's really carried on with me, uh, for, uh, since college. And that's, I think that's why part of my positive attitude is where I get that from because it's so grateful. Yeah. That sounds so sad. And then it just seems like after just going through practices, study tables, games, mission trips, etc., you can, safely say that your teammates were like literally and coaches were your second family yeah for sure i mean you're spending uh i mean from like i said august to march, march with these guys and then in the in the summer we'd host four camps so i mean you're really not having too much time away from each other and uh you we'd be just yeah you just become one big family bunch of brothers um through the good and the bad you know we had our hard times you know i mean we, we get on each other, but I think we were able to get on each other hard like that and push one another is because we, we loved each other and we built that relationship. And that's, that's kind of, uh, how for me coaching now, um, I'm sure we'll get into coaching here a little bit, but, uh, you know, I can't expect a player to respond well to me without me building some type of relationship with them. Huge on relationships always have been. Um, so yeah, we just built that relationship. And uh, that's that's why we could get on each other. That's awesome. Wow, it's crazy to hear all of this. Sounds like you had quite like a journey, like from high school mm-hmm. to college. And so let's talk about after college, right? So Tanner, what happens life after Be- uh, Bethel? So after Bethel, I graduate graduate on Cinco de Mayo. So uh, you know Bethel uh, couldn't couldn't drink or anything like that. You know, Bethel was good in that aspect, kind of kept you in line. Kept you dialed in. Kept you dialed in. So, you know, graduated, had some fun on Cinco de Mayo. And the fact that, oh, yeah, and I forgot to ask this, sorry. Um, how was it going to a school that small? Did it kind of help you once again? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it just keeps you in line. Uh, it's nice in the aspect of professors, especially with class, because you really get to know the professor, and uh, you're not just a number, right? Um, I mean, I'm sure I would enjoy going to a Purdue or IU who wouldn't. Um, but for me and my experience at Bethel, you get to kind of know everybody. You get to build a relationship with people that aren't on the basketball team or golf team. Um, so it's just cool in that aspect of, you know, getting to go to these people's houses and hang out with these kids. Um, yeah, just back to the small campus part, you know, we had professors that come to a lot of games. We'd have a couple that uh, supported us really well. So it was, it was just cool to see the kind of campus come together and, uh, just, yeah, build those relationships with people. It kind of felt like you were at a high school community. Yeah. I sent, I mean, we only had, I don't even know, a thousand, 1500 on campus, if that. So it was like a, some high schools in Indiana are bigger 
than Bethel on campus. And yeah, just getting to know everybody. Um, super cool. Uh, yeah, and really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So uh, once again, sorry to keep, uh, ask that, but to stay back on track. So what ha- what happens after, after Bethel? Yeah, so you know, I took uh, like, a, I want to say probably two months myself trying to figure it out. Um, looking back, I probably could have done a better job of pre- prepping to figure out what I want to do while I was still in college. Um, but it was just hard because during the summers, didn't really have time for an internship. You know, we, like I said, we held camps. Uh, I wanted to golf and hang out with my friends during the summer. Um, I then, mean, how can you not help that? Cause you're now at the right. time, you know, late teens or early twenties. Yeah. And I, you know, grinding all year long with uh, basketball traveling all the time. And when I was playing golf, traveling during the week, so missing a lot of class, it was just, it was a grind. And so I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to take a month, month or two to myself, kind of figure it out. Um, my dad started working for a company in Mishawaka, um, where they could supply with anything for a house. So I came on as a sales rep, um, and worked there for a while, you know, actually helped create the first, uh, rotational training program. So I was able to another relationship builder here, able to go into every kind of department we had. I went down into the logistics where they would plan out the routes and stuff to get, uh, supplies uh, delivered. So I was able to kind of figure out, okay, as a salesman, I can help them do this. Um, then I went out to, we called it the yard where they, where was all of our supplies, like our lumber and all that. Um, able to talk to those guys, build a relationship with them because, you know, they probably don't get to communicate with salesmen on a regular basis. So that was nice to build the relationship with those guys. Hey, how can I make your life easier? That was my biggest thing. How can we make your life easier as salesmen? And then I even went with the delivery truck drivers and would deliver stuff with them, carry some of the heavy supplies and, you know, just building those relationships and just uh, building trust and building respect for one another. Um, Cause you know, I think salesmen sometimes can get a bad rap uh, that think they're better than every the other people or stuff like that. And I mean, that's, it's not how it is uh, with me at least. Um, so it was cool to build, build the relationship with those guys. And then one of my teammates, uh, good buddies, Kyle Thompson, shout out Kyle, big slop. Uh, he, he visited Nashville, Tennessee in 2008, late, late 2018. Nashville. Nashville. And uh, so he's like, you need to come down and visit with me one time. And then that one visit turned into about 10 to 15 more times. Um, too much time on Broadway, right? Man, too much time. <laughs> I'll tell you. So uh, we actually ended up moving down there in March of 2019 took a big took a big leap of faith which just I, I i kept telling myself you know i can always come back to indiana if i want to but i'm not gonna be able to move when i'm 35 probably so uh moved down there just got a sales job selling cars you know it was something to do um did that for a while then COVID hits um everything shuts down and as people know who visit Nashville, it's not the same without Broadway or uh, any of the spots where people like to go to hang out. And, uh, you know, my brother and sister were playing uh, high school sports at that by, na- by that time, and I just it ate at me missing their games. Um, my bro- I have twin brother and sister, Taryn and Tyson, great kids. Um, hated missing their stuff, moved back home, and started working for a good family friend who owns a bunch of storage units actually around here, affordable storage. And he owns a bunch of billboards. And so, you know, I was helping rent those out and, uh, helping kind of 
run the storage units, uh, doing day-to-day operations, stuff like that. So, and then, yeah, now, uh, I've been coaching three years. I actually helped coach golf at Warsaw one year because Jack Carpenter, who's my coach at Triton, he, uh, took the Warsaw job. So I helped coach a season there. And now I'm Again, shout out Ben Shriver. He got me a referral at the company that we're at now called Now Secure, and um, that's that's where I'm at now. Yeah, and speaking about Ben, once again, it seems like that story arc when COVID hit when you were in Nashville, correct? Mm-hmm. And then that, along with you know one to uh, you know be there for your siblings, that story arc reminded me of Ben's because you told me off air that you listened to that podcast, mm-hmm. and he was in Texas. Yes, he enjoyed it for the few, uh, first few like for a bit like a year i believe yep. so and then his, his niece gets born and he didn't want to miss out it was the same thing yeah i forgot i forgot he mentioned that uh about the same time of covid yeah man um my whole family growing up uh immediate family all super close um so it was hard being away from them you know i'm really close uh with my grandparents um my parents my aunts and uncles obviously um which is kind of odd for some people because they're not necessarily always close with at least their aunts and uncles um my cousins too so you know it, it was it was fun being in nashville but uh just i came back and visited a lot i i would come back probably once a month maybe not that much but i came back and visited indiana a lot just missing my family and then yeah just you know, my family's big, big into sports. So it was hard not being there supporting my brother and sister. And, you know, they stream the games that Triton. So I was able to watch on YouTube, but it's not the same of being yeah, there. It's not the same. No, not at all. So yeah, it was, it was, I was glad to be back, uh, in the stands watching them. Yeah. It just seems like coming from like, you know, split parents, divorced parents, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. It just seems like your family was still close no matter what. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, just like I said, super blessed um, to have such a great support system. You know, I could go to any of them uh, with anything at any time what it, with whatever was going on, right? Um, so, yeah, it's super close. Uh, my grandma on my mom's side, she used to watch me uh, during the days growing up. So, obviously, I have a super close bond with her. Um, yeah, just super close to all my family. That's amazing. So, once you go back home, right? Um, I'm still kind of confused. I want you to clarify this. I'm still like, how does your coaching journey start? Because I saw one like earlier this year, which you would get into, right? You coach a Triton, right? Because I see that picture of you, Nick, right? Yep. And then later on, you uh, Columbia City. But start all over from when you get back home. Yeah, so I get back home um, late 2019, I think. I think, yeah, late 2019. Um, then that next year rolls around, obviously, or sorry, late 2020 or whenever I got home, middle of 2020, cause COVID was going on. Um, my buddy, Matt Schouse, the one that I told the story about got me into lifting cause he did that little shoulder move into me, embarrassed me right. in front of everybody. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he was, he's the head coach at Columbia city now. So he's like, Hey, I need a sixth grade coach. Uh, would you be interested? I'm like, sure. Uh, you know, never really thought about getting into coaching before that. Um, so got into that and really opened my eyes up, you know, growing up, uh, everything was about wins and losses to me. Uh, I didn't want to lose. I hated, I hated losing more than I liked to win. And, uh, when I started coaching, I kind of had that same mentality just because come, I was fresh out. I was still a couple years out of college. Um, just wanted to win. And, quickly turn into this isn't the way to do it. These kids are 
I don't know, what are you, 12 years old in sixth grade? Uh, so really just trying to develop these kids into skilled basketball players, teaching them the little things, you know, the littlest of things that I didn't think I'd even have to teach them. So it, it was really good for me, taught me a lot uh, about myself and uh, taught me a lot about coaching. And it's crazy uh, how much that first year really changed how I view coaching. And then, uh, sorry, coached golf that year as well in the spring. Uh, then my last year was at Triton. And then now I'm back coaching freshman at Columbia City. Man, what a crazy journey, right? So um, what have you learned so far? One of the biggest things you learned in coaching so far? Uh, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but it, for me at least, um, you know, I see some coaches that I watch when I'm in the stands. Um, they kind of make it about themselves. Um, it's like, Hey, watch me coach instead of watch my players. Or it's like, okay, they lose and it's the player's fault. They win. Oh, it's my game plan. And uh, I, I, I don't like that. I'm not like that at all. For me, like I said earlier, for me to get on a kid and for me to expect him to respond without building a relationship, it's just not going to happen. Um, so I try and build relationships with my kids. Uh, you know, what do you do outside of basketball? What do you like? Do you have siblings, different things like that? Just, I just like to get to know them. And, you know, I've had a few of my past players uh, from that sixth grade group. They, uh, one or two of them had texted me uh, asking for drills and stuff, telling me how their season's going and different things like that. It's crazy when you build an actual relationship with the players and you make it about them, their response to you, like you said earlier, changes and it's most uh, nine times out of ten into a more positive one. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know, I, I'm worried about the kids off the court too. How are your grades? Are you getting good grades? Um, are you good? Like your mental's good. I mean, you know, men, mental stuff today is huge, you know. Oh, for sure. It's crazy. Mental mental health and all that. Uh, but, but back to coaching, yeah. I just, I really try and build a relationship with these kids. I'll be honest. I'll be the first one to say I'm hard on my kids. I expect a lot out of them. Um, just from my playing days, I expect a lot on myself. And especially now coaching these freshman kids, it's been great. Uh, it's different than my last two years. Um, I had a lot of fun my last two years coaching. I mean, because I coached freshmen at Triton as well. And in that sixth grade group, like I mentioned earlier, um, this group's really skilled. They know basketball very, very well. So it's, I don't have to uh, go through some of the like, okay, jump stop here. They, they know the game of basketball. So it's a lot of fun. And I know where they want to get um, to be playing varsity, junior varsity next year. So uh, they respond really well to when I'm tough on them and they even get on each other. It's so sometimes I can just sit back and they'll get on one another and it's really nice to see. Do you feel, does your self-esteem increases when you see that you make, when you made an impact on those kids? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it does. Cause that's my main goal is just to make a positive impact. I've had such great coaches and the way I look at coaching now, I've done my time of playing. It's time for me to give back and make a good impact and help hopefully grow these young kids into men and these young men into grown men, right? Uh, teach them life lessons, uh, just different things like that. So it's, it's crazy to uh, hear you say that, you know, back when you were playing, you're competitive, right? And coaching, you're more competitive than ever, right? You challenge yourself, but you challenge your kids to be dialed in and to, you know, don't let them make, uh, how do you explain it? Make them not feel comfortable, right? right? Don't let them let up. Yeah, I think Mo mentioned it last podcast, being uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's what I was trying to say, but yeah. it was hard. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like I said, I'm super hard on these kids. 
and they respond well to it. Um, yeah, just try to make an impact again, just try to make that positive impact, build lifelong relationships. Nice. So, uh, let's dig back to last season, right? So Tyson, right? Your, your brother, right? Yep, my little brother. So how was it like, you know, were you coaching the high school team a little bit, right? Yeah. So I coached a freshman and then, you know, I was, I was, I would sit on the bench and everything for games. I would go to varsity practices, everything like that. So yeah, I, I was assistant coach, you'd say. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, um, how was it like witnessing or, you know, making as much impact as you can to um, see your brother win a sectional championship? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have asked me that question and I don't think I can ever find the words for how it was to coach alongside my brother. Um, just because our one bond that me and Tyson have always had is basketball. And I've just seen how hard he's worked over the years to get to where the player that he is now or was, uh, not that he, he's still good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he just, he sacrificed a lot of time and put a lot of time into the game and to be alongside of my little brother who, who I would say were definitely best friends. Now growing up, I would say different. He was a hellion. He, yeah. I had a big afro like he did. He'd always pull it. He was just—he was a little brat, not a brat, but he—he he was funny growing up. Right, just like little brother. Uh, little brother. Yep, yep, for sure. Little brother, big brother, always fighting. But uh, yeah, we really grew into. I'd—I mean, probably when he hit middle school, we really started getting really close. And same with my sister. We're all three very, very close. And it's—it—it it was amazing to uh, back to my coaching my brother, just um, being a part of that. I just can't even put it into words. You know, he was always willing to go work out. He'd ask me, Hey, can we go work out? Put me through drills, stuff Once like again, that. He's dialed in at he all dialed time. In. He dialed in. He only played basketball and, uh, he, he wanted to be really, really good at it. And he was, um, he actually won MVP of their conference his junior year. Wow. And then yes, you know, Congrats, yeah. mm-hmm, they won sectional his junior year too. So that was awesome because he was the only one in the family at the time that didn't have a sectional championship. My sister got one. I had one. So there was like a little pressure going into him at the time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't know if – I don't know. I haven't even asked him if he put any pressure on himself. Probably not. Uh, He's a very level-headed kid, a great kid. But, uh, yeah, to win that with him, as soon as that buzzer went off, man, we just ran to each other, big hug. It was just whirlwind of emotions. How was your family reacting to that? Of the sectional championship? Yeah, just – you know, whether it was their the sons, their nephews, just whatever, seeing you two, yeah, just bond together through yeah. the game of basketball at a high school level and stuff like that, and a coaching level for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously my family knew how close we were. Um, they thought it was obviously so special that I was able to be a part of his senior year. And, uh, you know, I can't thank Coach Groves enough for asking me to be a freshman coach and be on staff like that. I mean, that's – I honestly probably can say I enjoyed that time with my brother in that senior year, uh, being able to coach, uh, with him, uh, more than any of my playing days for sure. And you know, the funny thing is I would get more nervous for his games than I did for mine because I had zero control of, uh, of the outcome. Not that I didn't trust him as a player cause I did, but, uh, I had no control. So just him out there and I was nervous as heck. That's crazy because you said earlier that you weren't nervous to go against a D1 team like Notre Dame, especially when they were good. It's just crazy how it works out, huh? Yeah, very crazy. Very crazy. So what are your goals later on in your coaching career? Like, Do you strive to be wanting to be a head coach later on in your uh, coaching career? You know, I, I've thought about that um, probably since I started coaching that sixth grade group. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess you, you could say varsity head coach would be a, a way to put it probably. Um, 
because I mean, I, I am my own coach right now, uh, head coach with the var- with the night with the freshman team. Yeah, my bad. Yep, all good. Uh, so yeah, coaching that freshman team, I am the head coach, but a lot, obviously, a lot different and a lot more pressure coaching uh, your own varsity program. Now, I do put a lot of pressure on myself, though, because I want to see these kids succeed down the road, not just for me. I'm trying to build them up for uh, Coach Schaus and Coach Philman, who coaches his JV, because uh, I, I want them to have them succeed as well, not just for me. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, Tanner, it's been such a great conversation learning, learning so much about the game of golf, the game of basketball, in the college level, and you coaching so far, whether it was middle school or high school. So, um, Tanner, do you, is there anything else you want to say or ask? Yeah, so I want to say something. I got a question. Uh, just from the uh, probably, I mean, you could say short amount of time that I've known you. You know, anytime we're around each other, anytime you're, we're together in the group, you know, just always, you're always a positive vibe to be around. You bring good vibes, bring the laughs. So I just appreciate you as a person. Thank you so much, Tanner. That means a lot. And it's, it's crazy because... Like, like I said, I've heard about you like since like my sophomore year of high school, but we literally just met each other this year alone. And then in this podcast, this is probably our like fourth time actually talking to each other. It's just crazy. But yeah, thank you for being, uh, for the nice words. You're cool as well. And yeah, hearing your story has made me respect you a lot more, honestly. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, you're just one of those guys where first time you meet, you feel like you've known known you for 10 years, 20 years, right? And uh, so my question is, I know you're a big uh, Nelk guy, full sin. Oh, yeah. Who's your favorite Nelk boy and why? Okay, so... Um, I'm going to say it's MTV Jesse. I know he's not with okay. full sin no more. He's with, you know, he has his own stuff. But I feel like... During the videos, I vibe with Jesse more. I think just because we're both short, we're under like five five, and as you can tell, uh, my Instagram name is MTV Cheese. Yeah, I don't know. He was just more funny to me, and when he would party, it was just fun to see him party. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's it's been pretty cool from where they came to where they are now and how oh, they for real. You know, it takes. I forget who said it, but uh, it's kind of like Kyle and Steve. That uh, someone said, I don't. I'm a business. I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Like they're their own business. So that's yeah. pretty cool. And then, yeah. And then we get terms like the full sun or dialed in. Like we kept saying throughout the podcast, dialed in. And it's just crazy how they went from like little pranks on YouTube to owning their own seltzer, happy dad to owning like big assets, like uh, having their own big NFTs. The Medicare just yeah. crazy. It is crazy. It just really shows you uh, if you dedicate, yourself to something and put all the effort into it you can really accomplish anything yeah. as cliche as it sounds yeah you, like, you know no matter if it's sports or a business standpoint that is really a true tanner so tanner it's time for the cheesy question of the day all right let's hear it tanner today's cheesy question of the day is uh what is the worst day you've been on and obviously you don't have to say the name worst but, uh, date man you know i haven't really been on too many dates i've only had three four girlfriends maybe i will say i don't know this might be a dead giveaway it's not a date but i think it'll give it away it this girl uh broke up with me over text Mm -hmm. i won't say any names yeah but it's like we're in our 20s and getting broke up with over text it's interesting Mm -hmm. okay so it's not a date but that's just like you know what the heck moment yeah for sure um so you know i wasn't even upset because i'm like all right, break up over text. Not going to worry about this. I mean, come on. And especially when you're 20s, there has to be a better approach to that, right? Right, but, for sure. hey, they're an expert reason. Exactly. 
So Tanner, man, like I said, been a great conversation. I loved everything that you had to say, and thank you so much for joining the show, for coming on the show. My bad. Yeah, cheese was honor. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. So, guys, you can um, thanks for listening. Seriously, guys, it's been uh, you guys have been awesome. You guys have been supportive, and I really appreciate you guys listening so much. I really do mean that. So you can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Facebook. Thank you.